You're heading to a conference, maybe to build some new relationships in your industry. Even better would be to connect personally with one of the speakers you've been following for a while. But how? You know it's all about relationships, but where to start? On this episode, the way to build relationships at conferences. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 346. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. Almost all of us find ourselves at professional events and conferences where we have the very good intentions to build relationships with others in our industry and even outside of our industry. And yet, for many of us, this is a challenge. And it is one that if we can get better at, will help us to certainly become more influential in our own industry and organizations, but also uh, be able to really contribute to our professional development and learning. Today, I am glad to welcome a guest who is really an expert in this area of helping people to leverage their own strengths, through building great professional relationships, and specifically how to do that at conferences. I'm glad to welcome Robbie Samuels to the show today. Robbie helps his clients shift their mindset around relationship building so they discover new connections and business opportunities. He's been recognized as a networking expert by Inc. and Lifehacker and is the author of Croissants vs. Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. He's a member of the National Speakers Association and has been speaking on the topic of inclusive networking for over a decade. Robbie, I'm so glad to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. So I got to ask you first about the title of your book, Croissants versus Bagels. So where did that come from? So it's actually the stickiest concept of a talk that I've been doing for over a decade called Art of the Schmooze. And basically, when you're at these networking events, these conferences, people are standing in these these tight circles, these shoulder-to-shoulder huddles that are impossible to break into, that's the bagel. And if someone opens up their body language and makes space for others to join, that's the croissant. And so I teach people tips about body language for themselves and what to look for when they're coming into a room so they can find a friendly opening rather than just lurk in the corner. And this is something that is a challenge for a lot of us. When we go to an event like this, I think most of us have walked into a room like that and we've seen the bagels (laughs) and -hmm. and not know how to break in. And particularly uh, for people like me who tend to be more introverted, especially in a large group, that's really a struggle to know where to start. When you're working with people and coaching people and thinking through like walking into a room like that, where do you even start on that? Well, I think it's a couple of things to bear in mind. One is, are you brand new to the space or have you been going for a while? So let's just talk about the brand new to the space. I think that's a little more difficult. The tendency is to imagine that everyone else there is best friends and has known each other for years and years. And so you, part of it is mindset because you go in with this idea that no one wants to talk to you. And then you see those tight circles, those bagels, and it's kind of daunting. And you go and you like hover on the side of the room. The danger of hovering on the side of the room is that somebody will come over and talk to you, but they likely don't know anyone else. And even if you have a really good conversation, that's going to be the most awkward ending 
at the end of it. You know, you're like, oh, it was really nice talking to you. I'm going to go to the restroom. And they're like, oh, nice talking to you. Hey, that's a good idea. And they like follow you. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> totally like, happened oh, to me. <laughs> really awkward. I was trying to just beg off. So my first recommendation is, you know, when you walk in a room, scan the floor and see how people are standing and just look if anyone has that sort of more more open stance. It could be uh, two or three people standing together. It could be four or five people standing in a small group. But some of some of these groups are not going to be quite as closed off as the others. Some are going to be impossible to break into. I call those bagels with locks. <laughs> they're, really, <laughs> they're really hard to break into. The second thing I suggest people doing if they don't see an easy opening is to get in line. Get in line for food. Get in line for a drink. Because um, one thing I've noticed is that you know if we're if we're sitting with our friends and decide that we want to go get a beverage in the bar, we don't demand that all of our friends stand up and join us. We just say, hey, I'm going to get some in the bar. Does anyone want anything? And then you walk away by yourself. And so if you are if you get in line for food or, or you get to you know, go to the buffet line and go for the, the bar, you're going to run into people who are by themselves not standing with all their best friends, right? So it just makes it a little easier to keep a casual conversation sort of to happen. So at that moment, though, it's really critical that you're not, you don't say anything really negative. I mean, you might be staring at the menu and like seeing the options and be really annoyed. There's not more vegan options, which is a completely legitimate concern. But in that moment, you might be complaining to a person who could actually have an impact on changing that in the future. But people tend to sort of tune out people who complain. And if you do that to those first two or three people you meet, you'll get pegged as an ER and no one really wants another ER in their life. So I just think keep it upbeat, ask sort of general questions. And here's the funny thing is we all actually have this skill set to have a conversation. I mean, your listeners have had conversations with strangers. That's how they've met their best friends, right? The people that they are close with now once were strangers and they started that relationship off with a conversation. So just, you know, have a casual conversation. I've asked people, you know, tips on the specialty drinks on the bar. I've asked people what they think about the dip, you know, different little things. But that to me is just like, get in because they might invite you back to talk to the friends that they're with, which I've had happen on many occasions. But at least you're not just sort of standing off by yourself. If you have been going a while and you're you're a regular at that space, I want you to actually think of yourself as a host, not just an attendee. That host mindset means that when you see people who are so physically outliers, you know, the, the wallflowers, or demographically outliers, maybe they're older or younger or people of color in a mostly white space, then go and talk to those people who seem like they need a little more welcome into the space. And if you have that as part of your role and your mindset, it actually makes it easier to do what we call networking, which is really just being friendly and engaging and welcoming to people. People are going to appreciate that about you. They're going to seek you out over time. They're going to make introductions for you. And it will make you want to stay in that space longer than if you were just sort of wearing yourself down, trying to insert yourself into conversations. You could make introductions happen because you know some other people in the room. Oh, this is great. And I want to go back to something you said a minute ago, which is that overwhelm of feeling when you walk in somewhere and you see all those bagels and you have never been to that event before and you perceive like you don't know anyone in the room. And uh, and I've definitely had that <laughs> before happen. Mm-hmm. And it is a very awkward feeling. To your point, we've all had conversations, we've started relationships, and yet there's something about a whole room of people all at once 
that uh, I know for me and I know for a lot of us is really daunting. And yet, you know, you mentioned one of the things is is kind of starting with small talk. And I know a lot of people shy away from small talk and like, oh, I don't like doing small talk. But it really is a lot of times the start for most relationships, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, and even if it doesn't last beyond that one conversation, it will help you feel like at ease in the space because you're in a conversation. You know, one of the dangers of being the wallflower who stands off to the side is that you are kind of waiting for other people to approach you and you don't have much con- very much control over who that is. So you might be relieved at, at first when a stranger approaches to start a conversation because, you know, at least you're not standing by yourself anymore. But if that person then starts to pepper you with kinds of questions that feel curious and maybe a little intrusive and not, not that welcoming, it's really hard to disengage because you don't have anyone else to walk over to. So at least if you're in the middle of the room, you can easily kind of like move from group to group or go to another piece of another activity. So I just think being being like in the room is really important as a part of that tactic. But also I would suggest getting there a little bit early, not like half an hour early, but be there when it starts. I actually encourage my regulars for the events that I run to show up 15 minutes early so they could welcome the people who are who are new that do arrive on the earlier side of things so they're not coming into an empty space. The danger is that if you arrive really early, like even before it starts, that the organizers are still like getting everything set up and they don't really have the presence to be with you, which is why I invite my regulars to come and be part of that room. But if you're there early enough in the first 10, 15 minutes you've arrived, you're more likely to have like a small group setting at first, get to know a few people. You know, when there's only 12 people in the room, people are more willing to talk to everyone else who's there. <laughs> As the group goes to like 50 and more, people become more selective about who they're there to talk to. But if you've already established yourself, it'll be much easier for you to make connections later on. And one place that um, I thought was really interesting in the book that you talk about this is also when you're going to see a speaker at a conference, you're going to a workshop. And so part of this is also showing up early there. And in some cases, sounds like that's a really good opportunity to interact with a fairly influential speaker in your field or industry. Tell me more about that. Well, there's two things that's funny about conferences is that a lot of times the more introverted participant like yourself might not be that thrilled with staying in the vibrant chaos of the hallway. (laughs) There's a lot going on. So you look at your schedule and you see what the topic is you're going to next and you duck into that room early, maybe even with 10 or more minutes left uh, before the program starts. But most people tend to then get on their phone. And that to me is a really a lost opportunity, a complete missed opportunity because there are many other people that will start to trickle in. And those other people in the room are actually a great uh, possibility for connections because they've chosen the same topic as you. They've also you know, darted out of the chaos of the hallway uh, to arrive a few minutes early. You're, there's a good possibility you're going to have a chance to, to make some really good connections that even if you didn't do all the research in advance about who was going to be in the conference, these are your people. But you also have an opportunity to say hello to the speaker. And that this is one of my piece of advice is to do some of this research ahead of time. So much of this is actually planning and preparation. So if you already know who's speaking or who's being honored or you know who the author is that's going to be presenting something and you know what they look like, you can go and talk to them before they get on stage because afterwards everybody knows who they are and yes, usually a line queues up for people to say hello and write, you know, shake their hand or get their book signed. But if you take a few minutes at the very beginning, 
then you you can actually follow up with the speaker about how great their show was, uh, the presentation was afterwards, and say, like, we, I met briefly beforehand. Now, here's something about this, that if this, it, well, has anyone, like, have, have you presented something, Dave? Like, have you been a presenter or spoken on a topic somewhere? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? So there's this moment when you get in the room where you're like, God, I prepared something. Is it what the people want to hear? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, like, I'm, I'm ready to talk about this thing. And you have this moment of doubt where you're like, ah, uh, are they are they really here for this? And if someone comes over in that moment and says, oh, Dave, you know, thank you so much for like offering this. I'm really looking forward to this particular piece because I've been struggling in this area in my business. And you're like, oh, let me talk to you about that for a second. Hey, can we use that example? Because I want to be able to offer an example to the room. And that participant's like, yeah, I'd love free advice about that. Now, you, all that has been a gift. The speaker feels like they got a gift because someone came and kind of affirmed Oh yeah, I am here to listen to you. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. Maybe you even like send a, a tweet to the to the speaker or a LinkedIn message to the speaker ahead of time, or comment on a blog post they have out in the world to say like I'm I'm coming to the conference where you're speaking next week, and I'm really looking forward to this in particular. So that by the time you say hello to them, you know maybe you're a little bit familiar. That will go far for you. After, don't you know passively wait in line with everybody else because you know you've already had your quick hello. But instead, work the line, which I had someone ask me what that meant. <laughs> and as an outgoing expert, it was like an innate thing. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> well, this is great because when I read this in the book, I was like, ooh, that's a brilliant idea because <laughs> I would not have thought about this. I have had this happen naturally. So, t- so tell me more about what you mean by working the line when the speaker's done. So the, the most speakers don't facilitate a group discussion after they let people come up to them one at a time, which I actually think, you know, arranging people in a semicircle probably would be fine. Most people are not asking private questions in that moment, but most people end up standing in this passive line. And so if you sort of stand to the end of the line, just off to the side and you ask an open-ended question or, or make an open-ended sort of statement of something like, wow, that was really interesting. What just happened? Or does anyone else have that experience you know, of, of that happening in their organization. And I just want you to trust that an outgoing person is going to respond <laughs> that like that they've been sitting there absorbing content for the last, you know, 45 minutes, 75 minutes, two hours, whatever it is. And they're ready to talk about it. They're excited about what they just learned and they will respond. And then you might pull in a third person. And so you'll be like casually kind of walking towards the speaker slowly while you're engaging in a conversation. But your goal isn't to speak to the speaker again. Your goal is to leave the room in a conversation with other people. And the reason is that after that breakout session, there's always an opportunity for networking. And so you're going to be walking out of that session into a hallway, which is an opportunity for networking. You might be walking to lunch might be the next opportunity or there might be a reception afterwards. So if you think about it, walking out of that room by yourself means you have to go back, you know, to the starting point of figuring out how to navigate a room by yourself. But if you walk out having uh, engaged with a few people before the session began, and then again, engage with a few people after, you're much more likely to walk out with one or two people. They'll maybe run into some colleagues. You'll get invited to have lunch. And it, you know, <laughs> it all just sort of unflows very naturally, but it really is up to you to sort of be the trigger that that makes that flow happen. And another way to do this for someone who's more shy or more introverted 
is that during the Q&A, you know, at some point, raise your hand. I know that the conversation often moves very quickly and, you know, people like me are dominating the conversation, but don't worry about whether the, the moment has passed. Just raise your hand. And when someone calls on you, you can say, hey, you know, a few minutes ago, we were talking about X, Y, Z. I just wanted to share these two perspectives. And I would love to talk to anyone who has had a similar experience. And I'll, I'll stay after and, you know, come find me. And that's it. Whether the conversation continues in that direction or not, afterwards, stay after, make eye contact with people, don't get busy on your phone, don't dart out, and someone will probably come up to you either right then or maybe they'll spot you at another session or during the lunch and they'll say, oh, you know, that thing you said was really thoughtful and interesting. And I have to just tell you something, Dave, it probably was because, you know, people who are thoughtful about when they speak <laughs> say really insightful things. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I'm just talking all the time. So I may not be insightful as often as I'd like to be. So <laughs> I, I just think that what, that what results is that you end up with a great one-on-one -on -one opportunity, which is probably more your speed. And the only way that happens, though, is because you, you're brave and you raise your hand. So there's a few things that you have to do proactively to sort of create the possibilities of the kinds of connections you would hope for if you're going to a conference. Because to be honest, you don't have to leave your house to learn anything, to even meet people. I and mean, we have video chat now and the various forms of ways of communicating. But if you're going to go to a conference, you have to have the intention of meeting people be a top priority because that's something that you only can have happen when you leave your house. And so that's the prep beforehand. And that's the intentions of and the follow through that you have during the event. And then also the follow up after the event, you know, like making all of that worthwhile. That has to be one of the outcomes uh, to make you feel like the travel, the expense and the energy that you put into going is really worth your time. The perspective on thinking about the other attendees at a uh, at a workshop is just really profound, and I, you know, because so many, like you pointed out, like so many of those people are coming because they do share an interest in that topic or that speaker, and so making connections with the people in the room is just so smart to do. As you were saying that, I was thinking I, I went to a conference five or six years ago, and it's so unlike me to do this. I don't even know what brought this on, but I, I I got to thinking kind of like around the lines you were saying. And I remember in the Q&A saying something like, hey, if anyone would like to talk more about this particular topic at lunch, lunch was next, I'd love to connect with you. And it ended up like we had 10 or 15 people who went to lunch <laughs> at, the end of the, at the end of the workshop. And it Brilliant. was fabulous. And those people I stayed connected with throughout the rest of the conference. And it was and it was kind of the first time where I was at a conference where I was like, oh, be intentional about making connections. And I love what you said about working the line of like, those are the people who already have an interest in the topic, who are there with you. And and even taking the time to listen and pay attention to what people are saying in the line and adding value where you can. Those are the kinds of things that I think any of us can do, whether we're extroverted or introverted, if we're just thinking about how can we make those connections intentionally. And one actually big tip that I have for your listeners is to actually write your follow-up email draft before going to the event. Oh, why is that? Well, you're not sending it. <laughs> you haven't met anyone yet. But if you're in the, in the process of drafting something, you'll actually kind of make yourself think through all these different questions, right? Why uh. this event out of all the events you could go to? I mean, just this, you can do this for a two-hour event in your neighborhood, right? You can still have a moment where you're like, hmm, why this event? Like, 
gosh, I can go to anything. Well, why? Why? What's what's this event? Well, you know, well, who are the who are the kinds of people that are going to be there? Who in particular is there a particular person or two that I hope to meet? Well, who's speaking this time? Oh, what, what, let me learn a little bit more about them. Okay, you know, what do I want to offer? Well, what what do I do that would add value to this community? You know, what do I want people to know about me? And then you sort of write your little you know paragraph or so, and you know that way it's drafted, and then. At the event, you track the cards that have a higher priority to you. And this is a really important step because we've all been there. You're standing in one of those bagels <laughs> and suddenly people start handing out business cards as if you're at a poker game. You know, one person does it and then everyone grabs out their cards and you're handed a stack of four or five cards. But those cards shouldn't have equal weight to the ones that you got after like an, an, a, a more detailed conversation, a more engaging conversation so because we're in the Western culture and we're not, you know, in Japan, we can do things like turn the corner of the card. We can write a little note in the back of the card when we receive it. This way, when we take all the cards out, it's a very important step is to take the cards out of your pocket when you get home. I'm sure many people listening have washed the cards, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is something I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a real bummer when that happens. So take the cards out and drop them on a table and you will quickly be able to spot the ones with the turned corners and a little bit of notes. And those notes and, and those cards can get pulled aside. You already pre-wrote the message. Now the other piece here is that you have to pre-schedule time on your calendar to do this follow-up. Right? If, you, if you're going to be away for a three-day weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then by Tuesday, you want to have an hour set aside. But make sure you have that hour blocked off in your schedule and really keep to it. And then if you pull up that email draft and you look at these, you know, maybe you only have four or five cards that require a detailed follow-up and you, you, know, you write a little personalized introduction, you think about what you're asking of them. Now, if you don't have an ask, if it's not like, I want to connect about something in particular, I want to set up a phone call or meet you or make an introduction, then I, I don't actually send emails anymore to everyone. I actually send LinkedIn requests to everybody, every card I get. I'll write a little quick note about how it was really great to meet them at this such place, and I'll send a LinkedIn connection. But it's the people that I want to have a you know follow up you know focus. I will do that, and then I actually put all those people uh, or anyone that's introduced to me in, in this kind of fashion. I actually use contactually to keep track of these things, and I think it's really hard to keep track of these very weak connections because they're not yet a thing. But I don't want I don't know what it'll be. I want to I wanted to like revisit them another time to really think about is there some traction here or is it someone that was just nice to meet them that one time and that was fine? I I don't have a next step. Mm, got it. And 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 weak connections can be really powerful connections too, uh, down the road. So I wanna ask you about something you said a minute ago and and we kind of hit on, but I think it's really powerful. I've seen this done so beautifully uh, at some of the recent conferences I've been at uh, by some really smart people is hosting a private event or hosting your own event. And uh, I've been to a few of these over the last three or four years. And I have found, Robbie, that when um, someone's been gracious to invite me to one of these, that it is often the highlight of the conference. Um, and in a couple of cases, I've been invited and I wasn't even at the conference, <laughs> but I happened mm -hmm. to be local and I knew someone yeah. and that got the invitation and it was like I was at the conference. And it is really powerful. Tell me about what you're seeing people do with this right now and, and maybe how we could leverage it. I actually think this is a really 
good technique for someone who's more introverted because you will get a lot more for the effort you put in by organizing one of these small dinners than the same amount of time at a large event because you're you're uh, hand selecting, you're curating a guest list of people that you want either know a little bit or know well, or you want to get to know, right? You, you're choosing this group of people. It could be five or six people. It could be up to 10 people. You want to make it somewhat, you know, a reasonable number where people can engage with each other. And your whole job is to figure out ahead of time, before you even get to the event, what are the restaurants nearby that, you know, you can walk to, um, that don't have a ton of TVs in every direction, that aren't super loud, and that would allow you to split the check as many ways as necessary, which I think is a, a, a makes things simpler at the end, if that's possible, which I think outside of New York City is pretty easy to find, actually. Yeah. And before you get to the event, you might invite two or three people uh, to join you, just that you you know there's going to be a couple people there. That will also bolster your confidence, inviting other people that you meet along the way to say, hey, I'm doing a dinner. The dinner would probably be at the end of the event. So it would be like on the last night or the second to last night so that there's some time for you to meet other people and, and invite them to join you. It could be a lunch. If there's a long lunch break, you might do something like that. It could be brunch. You just be very creative, but it'd be very intentional. And what's so great is that you don't have to know everything about all the people that attend this. You just have to facilitate a space where they can get to know each other. So I like having a couple of, you know, opening questions for people to share around in a circle. It could be things like, you know, what drew them to this event? What was their biggest takeaway so far? Or what are they looking forward to if there's still a lot of conference left? Or, you know, what's one thing you learned this year you'll definitely put into practice when you get home? Which gets people realizing, wow, I don't usually do a lot of that. <laughs> mm. I do a lot of learning. I don't do as much implementation. And then they'll talk about that. They don't have to have a lot of other things in common. In fact, the diversity of, a, of the people there might actually be a real bonus because there's a lot, like you said, these weak connections have a lot of value and the diversity of our weak connections also have a lot of value because they just bring innovation and, and new ideas and new energy to the ways we think about the world. So uh, I have steps in my book about how to do this, like a little checklist of what to, what to think about. I actually hosted a dinner for a conference that was coming to my my neck of the woods in Boston, the inbound marketing conference. It's huge, thousands and thousands of people. I wasn't planning to attend. I, I didn't think I could take enough time off uh, to to actually go to enough sessions. And so I, but I knew some people speaking. And I thought, well, there, I know two or three people that are coming in to speak from outside. They all were excited that I was going to host something because, like you said, that could be a highlight. They don't. That's, that's one meal they don't have to go far to find someone to sit with. And so they invited a few other speakers that they got to meet along the way. And one of those speakers actually helped me connect with getting a ticket to attend just the keynote speeches. But it was a lovely little, you know, dinner that we planned. And so, I, you know, I think that just take advantage of the fact that the conference organizers have gone through the effort of convening all these people that have some shared uh, interests of yours, shared values of yours. In some way, they're your people. And so finding a select few within that larger crowd and creating a space, the people in attendance will thank you and will find lots of reasons to stay connected with each other. And you will get credit for just being the convener and the host of that space. And it will benefit you tremendously without being a tremendous amount of effort. One of the reasons we are talking about some of these tactical things is that uh, not every conference, and I, I dare say the majority of conferences are not always 
as intentional about how to encourage relationship building as they probably could be. And I'm starting to see a little bit of this change, Robbie, but I know one of the things you're really good about doing is working with leaders and associations around designing conferences and specifically designing experiences that help to enhance opportunities. And for those of us who are in positions or within industry and do have leadership and influence around how conferences are built and structured in this way, what advice do you have and what are the kinds of things people should be thinking about to really drive this at a, at a large scale? I find it so important because in-person events have actually seen a decline in attendance or flattened line of attendance year to year. And associations are starting to see membership drop. And some of it's, you know, the changing ways that we get information and the change in the kinds of generational interests. But I actually think there's going to be a a boon soon. There's going to be a a growing interest from the generation X a little bit. My generation sort of still interested. Y is going to start getting more interested in the millennial generation beyond because they're going to start craving this in-person connection because they don't have it in other places but I do think that the conference organizers, the, the the conference team has to think about the fact that that is a really important piece of what they're putting together. They, there's so much focus on who the panels are going to be, who the keynote's going to be, who all the speakers going to be, who the exhibitors, you know, but I think it should be just as important. Like, what is the experience like and what are the opportunities for people to connect? So little things like even prompting people ahead of time through emails and social media for them to even think about, like, here's the information you should be looking at. You know, actually, Inbound, the the conference that I was mentioning earlier, they do solo at Inbound, and that's sort of a, a hashtag. And they have special events for people who are attending solo. And when I work with associations, I host receptions for people who are attending solo so people can find each other early in the conference and then spend the rest of the conference together. First-timers orientations are, are a must there's got to be something very thoughtful about that, some of which you can send out ahead of time, but you having an in-person gathering. The National Speakers Association uh, annual event called Influence, they have a really cool thing where they give out VIP ribbons to people who are attending for the first time. And they say it's because these people are VIPs. You know, the, the health and the sustainability of that association is entirely going to be based on the ability for new people to come and have a great experience and become returners and to to have their retention stay high. And so they want the people who've been going for years and decades to really honor and invite in and welcome in those people that are coming in for the first time to this like, you know, overwhelming, awesome (laughs) experience full of information. So there's all these little things. What I actually offer associations is I do webinars in advance of these events one geared towards anyone with an affiliation. So speakers, exhibitors, volunteers, you know, the, the host committee, helping them really understand how they have a, like a host mindset, like they have a role as a host and, and how to actualize that. And then I do another one for all the participants to help them think about what they can do in preparation for this event. So a lot of the things we talked about earlier. And that really helps the conversation because people, a small percentage of people attend, they come in with that mindset, that readiness, that intention to take a, to take advantage of this opportunity, and that will have a ripple effect. Um, so I do that in first-timers orientations, uh, keynote speak, I do breakout session on Art of the Schmooze. It's just 
really it's like bringing like a light to the fact that this is an amazing convening of great people. And so giving people sort of permission to take advantage of all those sort of open-ended uh, programming spaces. So making sure there's enough downtime that's lightly structured. And I, there's just a lot of creative ways to do this. And I, people are being really innovative about how they structure even breakout sessions so they're not just talking heads, making it more collaborative so that you can actually meet the people you want to meet and go home with those great connections. Uh, there's like seven or eight things you just said right there that I think if someone did one of those as a conference organizer <laughs> uh, would be hugely better than most conferences are doing. I love the idea of the solo, uh, of calling attention to the fact that, hey, you know, let's acknowledge the truth that there's people here who are attending solo and have never been here before. How do we create a space that's really welcoming them? That's just, that's just fabulous. Um, okay, so this is great, Robbie. And we got so much more we could talk about, but I knew you have a ton on your website as well. And you have been very gracious to make available to us at robbysamuels.com slash coaching for leaders, a tips guide for making great conference connections. Tell us more about what's there. So this is a 10 tips for conference connections. And I know that I just shared a lot and <laughs> there's more in my book, but this is a way for you to have a little quick sort of cheat sheet. You can like pull it up on your phone and skim through it before you walk into the room to kind of get your, your head on and think about this in a way that will help you take the best advantage of it. And yes, the book has this and so much more um, really detailed steps on how to how to do these things. And I would just I would love to talk to anyone who wants to learn more about what I do and how I help people through this process because I I've, I've seen such a profound change in the work people that I work with and I love seeing what they then can uh, do in the world once they once they sort of approach these opportunities with an openness as opposed to you know being really guarded and and sort of worried about how they're going to be in the room they go into the room to help others actually feel welcomed. And it's, it's such, I really think it's, it has such a huge impact on their ability to be successful. Robbie, this is great. I hope folks will go check it out. We're going to put the link into the weekly leadership guide you get on Wednesday, robbysamuels.com slash coaching for leaders. So check out those tips. Robbie, thank you so much for your wisdom. The book is Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. Thanks so much. Thank you. Who do you know that's heading to a conference in the near future? Please pass along this episode to them. Thanks in advance if you do. Thank you, Robbie, for all of your thoughts for us and lots of related episodes to today's conversation. If you go to the coachingforleaders.com website and just put slash podcast, uh, coachingforleaders.com slash podcast, you will come up with the podcast library. If you have your free membership activated, if you hit the networking topic button there. You're going to pull up a lot of past episodes on this topic. One of them is episode number 73, The Secret to Success at Conferences. My guest on that episode was Charles Maxwood. We talked in general about what are the things you want to get if you're going to a conference and how to really approach that very strategically. Uh, so we talked about relationships in that episode, of course, but we also talked about a lot of other aspects of conferences. So if this is topical for you right now, episode 73 is definitely one to check out. Also a value, get ROI from professional associations. Uh, my guest, John Corcoran, was on episode 209, a very closely related topic to this. If you're involved in a professional organization, how do you get 
connected and involved and build relationships beyond just going to the monthly dinner meeting or whatever the cadence is for that organization. So many good uh, good pieces of advice in episode 209. I have referred this episode to so many people who have reached out to me over the years. Uh, John Corcoran, by the way, is a master networker. If you know him, I'm not surprised <laughs> because he knows everybody. Uh, John used to work in the White House, and he is probably the best connected person I know shares a ton of his strategies in that episode. Uh, Check it out if that's of interest to you, episode 209. Also, episode 316 will come up if you choose the networking button. That is with my friend Tom Henschel, executive presence with your elevator speech. A great way to engage in conversation is with an elevator speech, but it's not the kind of elevator speech you think. It's not the spending 30 seconds reciting a prepared set of lines to someone. It is much more interactive than that. And in episode 316, Tom went through step-by-step the process that we can use in order to really engage people effectively. Check that out. All of those episodes you can reach by activating your free membership on the coachingforleaders.com website. Just go over to that main page there and you will see a place to do just that. Also included in the free membership is all of my downloads of book notes. I uh, highlighted all the things I found of value in Robbie's book, Croissants versus Bagels. A lot of things we didn't talk about in today's conversation conversation that's also available on there, as well as all the recent books that I have featured on the show from our guest authors. Uh, In addition, you'll get access to my 10-day audio course, 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead, plus access to the weekly leadership guide that comes out every Wednesday. I am spending a ton of time every week uh, going through looking at some of the best stories out there, other podcast episodes from other producers, uh, some of the best thinking from leadership experts, and I'm putting those together in the weekly guide that comes on Wednesdays. You can get access to all of that just by going over to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership, and you'll be uh, you'll be rocking and rolling with all that, plus a ton more that I'm not even mentioning here. Hey, thank you so much to Yashko in Germany and Mystic Zen here in the States for the kind reviews you both left on Apple Podcasts. So many of you have been leaving kind reviews and ratings for the show in the recent past. Thank you so much if you've taken the time to do that. Hey, if you've been listening to the show for a bit and uh, have a good sense of what the show's about and would like to leave a rating or review, I invite you to go over to coachingforleaders.com slash Apple. It'll get you there on the Apple platform on whatever device you use, or feel free to leave a rating or review for whichever service you're using. Hey, if you have a question for our next Q&A show coming up on the first Monday of every month, you can submit it to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. Bonnie and I will consider it. Have a wonderful week and see you next Monday. Take care.